Chapter fifty two of Young People's Treasury, Volume six Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Stories of Eskimo Dogs. The one essential of life and travel in the Arctic regions for the natives as well as their exploring visitors is the dog, which draws the sledge and aids in the hunting dogs vary much in different parts of wide regions surrounding the arctic ocean but everywhere present characteristics closely allied to the wolves from which they are undoubtedly descended and with which even now they are frequently crossed a huge volume might be filled with extracts from the works of travelers and a few relating to the dogs of the greenland eskimo as seen by recent explorers may be interesting far from the least interesting members of this arctic community it is written in the narrative of captain penzi wintering in wellington channel in eighteen fifty where a kennel of eskimo dogs that had been established in a snow hut near the ships they were great favorites among the seamen and flocked eagerly round the first person who emerged from the snow-covered ships in the morning they were nevertheless of highly jealous temperament for if one of them chanced to receive more notice then its companions the lucky fellow was forthwith attacked by the rest of the pack this so constantly occurred that some of the cunning young dogs became afraid of the men's caresses and ran away the moment any marked demonstrations of kindness were directed toward them adaptation to arctic conditions in many points amusing instances of the adaptation of canine instincts to the necessities of arctic life were displayed in fine sunny weather the dogs satisfied their thirst by lapping the surface snow but in colder seasons they burrowed some distance down for their supply of frozen water in extremely severe weather they constantly coiled themselves closely up and covered their noses with the shaggy fur of their tails at these times they never rose even to shake off the accumulating wreaths of falling snow if their masters called them they answered by turning their eyes but without removing their natural respirators from their nostrils and no demonstration short of a determined kick could make them shift their quarters but at other times they lay stretched out at full length and were on their legs in obedience to the first tone of a familiar voice the eskimo dog is to be described as resembling in form the shepherd's dog rising to the height of the newfoundland but broad like the mastiff having short pricked ears a furry coat and a bushy tail in general they are observed to bear a strong resemblance to the wolf and the opinion is even prevalent that the former exhibit only the latter in a tamed state but the avidity with which the wolf devours his supposed brethren does not seem quite consistent with so close an affinity frequent beatings are necessary to train these dogs for acting as a regular team but their greatest sufferings respect the want of food captain perry saw one which ate a large piece of canvas a cotton handkerchief laid out to dry and a piece of a linen shirt when these animals are yoked in the sledge a whip twenty feet long enforces obedience while peculiar cries indicate the right or left to turn or to stop these characteristics are noted by all later travelers but it is fair to say that the dogs have become somewhat modified by long association with masters who treat them well and to whom they often show great fidelity and affection 
friendly relations despite pugnacity the dogs yes it is they exclaimed sverdrup which give a polar expedition such as this its character without them we should go nowhere without them the time would be dull indeed they are quite capable of keeping one very much alive and of providing plenty of music into the bargain by day they were chained to a long cable down the ice and at night went six and six into their ice kennels under the ship's side but both day and night they kept up an infernal commotion with their barking and howling marauding and stealing fighting and killing all according as opportunity offered if by hook or by crook they could manage to get loose from their chain or their kennel off they would go like a flash of lightning either to the meat heap to gnaw at whatever remains were there or to an old walrus carcass which they had scented out in the neighborhood of the ship and which by degrees they quite hollowed out so that it sounded like an empty barrel when we hit the skin with our ski sticks better scavengers one could not desire they threw themselves on to and devoured everything that was thrown over the ship's side whether it was food or refuse their food consisted of biscuit stockfish and walrus meat alternately their drink was snow they were very warm and comfortable in their kennels of ice and the only thing to be careful about was to see that they had a ventilating hole and pipe through the roof to prevent them from becoming too warm and consequently moist from sweat which would have killed them at once they stand the cold in the most astonishing manner and for that matter might well have been out of doors both night and day but in such a case their provisions would have been more drawn on as we should have had to feed them better each man has his own team which he feeds thrashes and defends from the others he looks after them when they are ill and receives in return their entire and absolute devotion but to eradicate the wild animal in them is altogether beyond human power onslaught and murder were frequent occurrences and followed on each other so rapidly that it was generally impossible to prevent a catastrophe one of the norwegian elk dogs finn a stubborn and pugnacious animal was one day thus attacked by a team of the eskimo dogs and in the course of two or three minutes torn to pieces and eaten when we arrived on the scene there was nothing left of him but the tip of his tail this is nothing but the simple truth it is impossible to imagine any animal on the whole more aggressive and enduring than the eskimo dog it is my belief that a team of these dogs that is to say eight or ten animals could do for a polar bear their qualities as draught animals i have already spoken of while their staying power is something marvellous when to this is added their great intelligence and affection for their master it will easily be understood how important a factor they are in modern polar exploration value as hunting dogs sphere troop recounts many instances in which they attacked bears at great odds and it was customary when in traveling about ellesmere land and the adjacent islands this or other desired game was sighted to cast them loose and let them bring it to bay so eager were they to do this that it was often difficult and sometimes impossible to detach them quickly enough when unless it was convenient to have them drag the sledges in that direction the only way to hold them back was by upsetting the sled and its load this eagerness often led to fights and comical melees thus once when sverdrup and fosheim were traveling together a bear was sighted 
and an attempt made to turn the dogs loose but there was a little delay and the dogs in their excitement dragged the sledges close together and then merged into a single pack and of course fell to fighting and making a horrible disturbance it was their very life on such occasions kind words and persuasions are of no avail and only a sound thrashing is of any use after almost hopeless confusion the pack was disentangled and Sverdrup drove fosheim's team after him it proved however that such haste had been unnecessary for the dogs had kept the bear well at bay and i had hardly started when it fell for fosheim's rifle we now turned it over on to the sledge so as to drive it to the other sledges at the spot where we thought of camping but we had counted without my dogs when they discovered that i was driving another team their fury knew no bounds and mad with jealousy they all fell at once on fosheim's team we separated them but no sooner had i begun to drive again than we had a repetition of the scene there was nothing for it but to change teams and when my own had been put to the sledge they started off quite happily and as if nothing had happened they would not allow the others to be driven by their driver this individuality and sense of propriety was quaintly exhibited on another occasion these dogs are curious animals at the making up of the team of two friends one only had been included in bay's team this the excluded one could not forget and haunted the team early and late now a team will not stand any interference from outsiders and the consequence was that the other five fought the unfortunate animal time after time but to show them how amiable was his disposition he merely turned over on his back whined and let them maul him as much as they liked without as far as i saw ever attempting to pay them back it is one way of making one's self agreeable still so much love deserved its reward and eventually had it he went on ingratiating himself with the others in this manner for such a long time that at last he was acknowledged and taken as seventh man into the team remembering these traits one can imagine the excitement and amusement in the following accident which was due to the fact that the party with three sledges were crossing hastily a region where the spaces between great rocks had been filled in with drifted snow which in some places had been dug out by the whirling wind leaving hidden pitfalls it should also be mentioned that the dogs will permit no gaps between their own team and the sledge ahead if they can help it eighteen dogs in a hole it once happened that just as we were passing a rock of this kind a gap occurred between my sledge and the one following it as soon as i became aware of this i pulled up but almost before i knew what was taking place the dogs had made their usual frantic rush to catch up and the sledge men and team were precipitated into the hole twelve feet below a moment afterwards before anything could be done to prevent it the next sledge came tearing up and fell into the hole and on the heels of number two came a third which followed their example this was the worst thing which had yet happened to us on this perilous journey life and limb were at stake and the fate of the expedition at that moment perhaps decided as quickly as could be i was on the spot to start the work of rescue and it was not long before the others came up expecting an abundant harvest of broken limbs and splintered sledges in the grave lay pell-mell three men eighteen dogs and three sledges with their loads and the snow was flying up from it in clouds 
here and there a sledge runner or a sealskin strap sticking out then i saw one of the men crawling out of the medley and pulling himself together then another and another thank god they were all alive and the dogs they were lying in a black heap one team on top of the other kicking howling and fighting till we could hardly hear the men's voices for their noise so apparently they too were alive as soon as we had hauled them all up we set to work to shovel part of the drift away so that we could drag up the loads the first sledge which after much toil we succeeded in bringing up strange to say was whole nor was there anything wrong with number two while number three was as intact as the two former the very astonishing result of this fight through the air was therefore that not a limb nor a lashing nor a bit of wood was broken indomitable courage and tenacity the tremendous eagerness with which the dogs would rush upon game especially seals muskoxen and polar bears has been mentioned a single incident of many which might be cited will show the quality of their courage sverdrup and shy were encamped one day in king oscar land and went to rest in fine weather about eleven o'clock the dogs woke us up with a start they were yelping and making such a noise that we knew that there must be something the matter we ran out as quickly as we could but the expected bear was nowhere to be descried that there really had been something going on we understood at once for the dogs hackles were bristling and they were looking northwestward pulling and jerking at their traces and giving tongue as if it was a matter of life or death we followed the direction they were looking in and saw a bear far out in the sound trotting briskly southward i ran to my team and sent them off one by one as fast as i could unharness them so that they might be loose and unhampered gamelgulen was the first to go off the slip the others followed quickly and not many minutes afterwards they reached the bear turned it and came running inwards toward land the bear was determined to go up a difficult stony valley a little north of our tent and try as the dogs would to prevent it up the valley it went shy and i ran full speed northward along the ice foot and soon heard that the dogs had brought it to bay we made a short cut across some hills of grit and on reaching the top of one of them saw the bear on the other side of the valley sitting on a high hilltop which fell almost sheer away but on the north side it was accessible and here it was probably that the bear had climbed it there sat the king of the ice fields enthroned on a kind of pedestal with the whole staff of yelping dogs standing at a respectful distance i tried a couple of shots but overrated the distance and the bullets went over the bear's head i then told shy to go and shoot it while i looked on at the further development of the drama the bear's position was a first-rate one it had taken its stand on a little plateau high up on a mountain crag this little ledge was reached by a bridge not more than a good yard in width and there stood the bear like sven dufa ready with his sledge-hammer to fell the first being that should venture across meanwhile shy was climbing and scrambling in the snow and stones without seeing the whiten which was hidden from him by the ground his majesty was not visible until shy came within a few feet of him but then it was not long before a shot was heard the bear sank together and a few seconds afterwards all the dogs had thrown themselves on to it it was very plain these fellows had not been surfeited with bear meat they tugged and pulled at the bear's coat tearing tufts of hair out of it and before we knew what they were doing had dragged the body to the edge of the plateau where it shot over the precipice 
the dogs stood amazed gazing down into the depths where the bear was falling swiftly through the air but not alone for on it as large as life were two dogs which had clung so fast to its hair that they now stood planted head to head and bit themselves still faster to it in order to keep their balance i was breathless as i watched this unexpected journey through the air the next moment the bear in its perpendicular fall would reach the projecting point of rock and my poor dogs it was a cruel revenge the bear was taking on them i should now have only three dogs left in my team the bear's body dashed violently against the rock turned a somersault out from the mountain wall and fell still farther until after falling a height of altogether at least a hundred feet it reached the slopes by the river and was shot by the impetus right across the river ice and a good way up the other side and the dogs when the bear dashed against the mountain they sprang up like rubber balls described a large curve and with stiffened legs continued the journey on their own account falling with a loud thud on to the hardly packed snow at the bottom of the valley but they were on their legs again in a moment and set off as fast as they could go across the river after the bear not many minutes afterwards the whole pack came running up but when they were driven away from the carcass they lay down again to await their turn i hurried back to camp to fetch the dog's harness we put a connecting lanyard through the nose of the mighty fallen and set off the dogs knew well enough that this meant food for them and the nearer we came to camp the harder they pulled in fact i had to sit on the carcass to keep them back and jolting backwards and forwards on this new kind of conveyance i made my entrance into camp in the light spring night the bear was at once skinned and the dogs had a meal when they had finished there was hardly any space between their ribs mother love for their young even these fierce creatures hardly removed from the wolves between whom and themselves burns a quenchless enmity have moments of tenderness however as the following incidents will show during a particularly hard journey puppies were born to two female dogs in sverdrup's train on the same day but they could not be kept alive in the bitter weather and rough march between these two dogs there had hitherto been great jealousy but now indiana treated vesla with tenderness lay down across her and did all she could for her in every possible way one of indiana's most passionate admirers was trules a big fellow of ninety-two pounds all his approaches were energetically repulsed by the fair one and trules who was usually as phlegmatic as he was greedy lost his appetite and quite broke down from the bitter qualms of jealousy on a similar occasion another female trained dog kari became very ill but never gave in except that she lost her appetite would eat hardly anything and became very thin the mate was quite unhappy about his dear kari when after an ended chase the other dogs helped themselves to their heart's content and ate till they could hold no more kari lay still and moped and left her ration of delicious meat untouched one raw and bitter day ill and miserable as she was she felt the cold very much but kari was not only a good dog but a wise one and therefore kari knew what to do she curled herself round in a ball and lay down close by one of her comrades between his legs where she would be sheltered as well as warm this however was not at all to the mind of the dog in question and he was ungallant enough to get up and change his place but kari was equal even to this difficult situation she took her allowance went up to the dog and put it down before his nose as much as to say 
here this is for you now do be kind and let me lie quiet then she licked his face in a coaxing way and curled herself round again in her old place this time she was really allowed to remain in peace once three or four females in sverdrup's pack each had a family of eight or ten puppies born nearly at the same time and these families were quartered in a group of kennels near the fram a little removed from the other kennels but the lying in hospital was visited by others in the less fortunate position of neither having nor expecting any puppies and what did they there why they stole the puppies whenever they got the chance especially from those which had the largest litters when they had got possession of one of the pretty little pups they would lie if they were allowed to licking it and keeping it warm all day long among the proud mothers was one named silden or more correctly scylla it might be thought she would have been happy considering the large number of her offspring but she was not happy enough and was always on the alert to kidnap a few more pups which she nursed with the same motherly tenderness that she did her own by degrees as the puppies all grew bigger and their mothers began to go on small excursions she took possession of the whole pack of little ones and it was not till they were all crawling over her and round her like ants in an anthill that she appeared to be thoroughly happy we crammed her with as much food as she could possibly eat but she became so deplorably thin that she could hardly hold together end of chapter fifty two end of young people's treasury volume six famous travels and adventures by hamilton wright maybe